Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Yes, indeed. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, top of the hour. Steelers Nation Radio. More importantly, it's the Steelers Blitz on SNR and ESPN 970 AM. And uh, to start this top of the hour, man, we have been talking a lot about our perspective on the game, how we viewed it and certain things that we took away from it. But we also say this is a very interactive show and we love to hear your thoughts, your feedback. We like to call you guys the power watt, the megawatts, right? We need all of that. And usually we get your info, whether the phone lines are open or through the twitter.com. So for this segment, we're going to go to the Twitter section. All right. Mm-hmm. So can, can I get Big Red to say something real quick? Time's yours. There it is. Big Red has spoken. Big Ron tweets us. says, two questions for you guys. Number one, the way Kenny is playing, do you think it's more mental or something with his mechanics? I think it's both, actually. His mechanics have been very inconsistent. You look at his footwork on t- uh, at times, it's not always under him where it needs to be, transitioning power from back foot to front foot, getting that hip involved in the throw. You look at his release point. Sometimes he's releasing the ball all over the place. You look at his pump fake. It's like he's kind of conflicted of, do I go with the one-arm pump or am I throwing whole body, two hands on the football, Drew Brees-style pump fake? Because we've seen both now mm-hmm. on multiple occasions just in two weeks. Um, but at the same time, when we're talking about the, is it something else? I look at the mental part of it and I just say, I do feel at times he is hesitating because he's not trusting what he's seeing or he's being confused. And his defaults have been to either stare down a receiver and say, Hey man, I'm locking in pre-snapping this, the guy I'm going to. And it has its pros and cons with that. The other is the, I'm going to just reverse back and try to run and, you know, extend the play with my legs and maybe that'll make it an easier read for me because now coverages typically break down when quarterbacks leave the pocket. Sure. But just once again, it's just a lot of inconsistency with him in both of those veins. And when you're doing that at quarterback and you don't have this, you know, surefire running attack that's going to work or you don't have an offense line that is giving you elite type time to just sit back there and survey the field, that is going to be what it looks like. But the flip side is he's shown some promising things. I look at the... Not the touchdown throw to George Pickens because with that, I'm like, I still have my concerns even with that throw. But I love how Pickens took it and went to the house. But what I did like was in the third quarter where Kenny really started to anticipate throws, really started to lead and throw open certain things. thought he had a nice tight window throw to Calvin Austin. I thought that he hit George Pickens a couple of times. 
in stride. Even the incompletion to Pickens, I thought was a good throw. Pickens should just come down with that. But those are some of the things where it was like, okay, this is encouragement. This is promising. So I know it's in there. I know you're capable of it. But the consistency is the issue. And this is the part we're trying to figure out because at the NFL level, this is what we try to explain as alumni. Anybody can do it once. Anybody can. (laughs) Everybody can make a play in this league. Everybody that puts on an NFL jersey, if they're out there on Sunday, they are capable of making plays to win a game. They're capable of making plays look like stars. The difference between the real stars and the flash in the pants are the real stars do it each and every week. Mm-hmm. T.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time we've seen T.J. Watt go out there and have a performance like that? Far from it. What year is this for T.J.? Seven? Okay. Right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that happen a lot, right? Consistency. We don't have to speculate if T.J. is great. We know he is. We don't have to compare T.J. to Hall of Famers and say, oh, yeah, he could be like that. When he hasn't even played 17 games? Nah. Because we've seen it. We've seen it. it. To me, that's just, you know, the big difference right now. With Kenny, we're still trying to figure out who is he. Y'all said it was Ben Roethlisberger. You said it was Joe Burrow. Is it Ryan Tannehill? Is it Kirk Cousins? Kirko. Is it Mason Rudolph? What is he? Who? Is he Landry Jones? What is he right now? That's what we're trying to figure out. Now, he's shown certain things to make it exciting, but at the same time, if we're being brutally honest, I can cut on tape with them other dudes that I've named and show where they have some flashes as well. And that's the part right now where we're, like I said, it's not a you rush to have a hard stance on him, but I do feel like it's one of the ones where he himself has to start helping himself out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, would ease some of this confusion in terms of how we look at him right now because I feel like it's a wide range of how people view Kenny. You ain't lying. A very wide you range, man. You ain't lying. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of factors into why it's tough to get an accurate gauge on Kenny right now. But he's got to control what he can control, and I'm with you. I, I think it's it's always, when you've had the type of start that he's had, there's got to be some mental aspect to it there, too. But there's certainly some mechanical stuff to get moving in the right direction as well. Second question by Big Ron is, did you guys watch WWE growing up? If so, who was your favorite superstar? Oh, Stone Cold. Absolutely. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. And uh, for the record, it actually was not called WWE. It was WWF. WWF, yeah. Yeah. Attitude Era. Absolutely, yeah. With your mama might cringe when she, you know, walk in that room and you hear Al Snow. I used to have to go to the neighbors to watch watch Monday Night Raw. What does everybody need? What does everybody want? Okay, Mr. Val Venus and all them. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this ain't this ain't what they, you know. Hey, hey, Big Ron, what's your name? Yeah. It doesn't matter what it your name doesn't is. Doesn't matter. Finally, The mm-hmm. Rock has come back Whew. to Steelers Nation Radio. Come on, man, you better put some respect on that, man. KJK Steel tweets us, and I could be wrong here, but I think we got a newcomer. That sounds. Welcome amazing. to the party, pal. Answer me this. How can we only have one uh, new face on the offensive line with four returning starters and have them all look like they just started playing together? It's <laughs> a good question, KJC, KJK. I was say, that was a lot of... <laughs> KJK steal. <laughs> um, but the reason why is, number one, the matchup. We talked about the 49ers defense front. We said you could legitimately make a case that their D linemen were just better at their position than our offensive linemen were at their position. Now, the pride would make you say something different, but 
are we really about to act like James Daniels and Isaac Sayumalu are better at their job than Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave? Just by the monetization alone of their contracts, it lets you know who they value more. So when we think about just that part of it. Yeah. Zadarius Smith. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Versus. Nick Bosa. Versus Dan Moore and Chooks Corfu is just different. So I do feel like part uh, a good portion is that. But the other part is they do got to be more consistent. And they can be. And I it's, agree. And, and some of the self-inflicted stuff, you know, the pre-snap errors, you can't have that. You know, if you know you're already going to be limited in certain capacities, you can't make it that much more difficult on yourself by shooting yourself you in the be foot. Up. And I do feel yeah. like at times that is also what this offense experienced in the third and the fourth quarter. You try to get something going, but every second down or third down is backed up. You know how hard it is to play backed up? It's not Madden. In the NFL, if I got you a second and 10, if I got you a third and 12, bro, I'm a shoot boat 95% on third down. I'm telling you right now, Wes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Third and 12. It's hard to beat cover four. It's hard to beat two men when it's third and 12. Yes, it is. Okay? Yes, it is. You, you pray for cover three, and when you get that, hey, man, we hit a pass, get off to the races. Get lucky. But when it's starting backed up, baby, that is very, very challenging. No doubt. And we have faced those a good amount of times as well. No doubt. Uh, one more quick one here before we go to break. Got to get to our buddy CC. Mama. Josh tweets, congrats on the W for WVU. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. Very nice of you. Kenny was missing on some of those slants. Oh, and- wow. That's crazy. No James Madison University. We won too. We won't count. JMU lives don't matter. Oh, that's nuts. That's crazy. Go Dukes. Josh says Kenny was missing on some of those slants and quick plays. we got to get that moving in the right direction. Also, fellas, I'm heading back to school. Got accepted into LSU to continue my education. Love it, Josh. Good for you. Go Tigers. You know what? If if you would have, like, gunned to my head, I can't go to WVU, I might have gone to LSU. It would have been there, Wisconsin. Shout out. Because I wanted a big-time sports Mm -hmm. school. I love Madison. I love Baton Rouge. LSU, the colors. I've always liked the tradition of the football team. They got good basketball. I mean, their women's basketball team, their men's baseball team just won national championships. They got good sports across the board. Very similar universities, LSU and Wisconsin. Very similar. Very similar. Weather, very similar. Very very similar. Wisconsin, you could say the same thing about, but they also have really good hockey, too, which attracted me to to Wisconsin. Both both schools known to have a good time. Great culture. You know your boy wanted to go somewhere where he was going to be able to have a good time. (laughs) I always say, LSU and Wisconsin. I'm like, bro, ends of the spectrum, right? (laughs) But those were the two schools that I always looked at from afar like, that would be fun. I think that would be a lot of fun. I like it. I like it. We'll get well, to more tweets uh, to end the show. <laughs> well, that sounds like a plan right there. But we're going to have some fun when we come back when we will be joined by Chris Carter of the Post-Gazette. You do not want to touch that dial. Arthur Most, Wesley Euler. This is Stills Nation Radio and ESPN 970 AM. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Steelers Nation Radio, Simon Casson on ESPN 970 AM. And we are officially joined by great friend of the show, right in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. 
member of the Amigos. We talk about the one and only Chris Carter. CC, how are we doing? How are we doing? Oh, it's a beautiful Sunday in Pittsburgh. I'm here on the south side at UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Just got done talking to Pitt players. Just got out of the Steelers locker room. It's been exciting, and it's a big week uh, for the Steelers to see if they can stack some wins going into the Raiders game. Chris, obviously, we're just getting back into our regular uh, season programming here. And, you know, a Monday night football game throws everything off. It's been too long since we've talked to you. So I just got to ask, did you have a good weekend? I mean, did you do anything Saturday night? <laughs> Saturday night. You know, I mean, I did, did you have, did you enjoy, what were you doing? Any, any big plans this past Saturday? Did oh, you watch any football hey. Saturday night? I, I actually, I was working, uh, you know, I was, I was doing a job. It was a really important job. If I was uh, in a really ruckus environment and I had a great time, I have to say. It was actually a, a lovely experience out in Morgantown, West Virginia, where Wes's Mountaineers won, uh, won a big game. And I got to say, I was really impressed by West Virginia's defense. When Pitt, when Pitt got the ball at the end of the game, they, st- they, they, they needed a drive to kind of push things. And most, would you believe it or, or not? But they started that last drive on the 13-yard line, and that West Virginia defense was so good, it ended on Pitt's nine-yard line. <laughs> Pushed them back four whole yards. That's darn right. And that was how <laughs> – so that was a pretty good job by West Virginia. I got to give the, give them credit. No, respect, I think respect. Chris is hoping that Jerkovic can complete somewhere between 13 and nine passes this nine Saturday passes. night against Drake May. I mean, yes. that would be a heck of a step up, wouldn't it? Certainly. Certainly. I certainly only completed eight this past weekend, so it's, it's been a bit rough for him. <laughs> Tomo, it was really just eight passes? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Well, he completed three oh, to the wow. West Virginia defensive oh, backs. Wow. This so, is crazy. so 11 total. He, mostly, he threw for more what? yards to West Virginia wide receivers than he did to his own. Yo, what? Yeah, that was that was. I was knew pretty, he was played bad. bad. I saw people reacting yeah. on social media. I was tuning in and out. Yeah. Had my JMU game on, but man, you never never trust like a guy wow. from Pine Richland. I've been trying to tell you guys. I'm trying to tell you all wow. season. Never trust wow. a guy from Pine Richland. Wow. Unless it's Neil Walker. All right. Unless or, or, it's Neil Vince Walker. Williams. What about Vince? I'm gonna say. Well, he didn't. Yeah. He's coaching. He's coaching. There now, he's got to count for something, right? Yeah. Well, Brandon saw it as well. You there, know, there we go. Stanley Cup yeah. champion. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yikes. Yikes. But you know what? We're going to bring this thing back. We're going to get on, on, on common ground okay, here. There we, there common we go, ground. Steelers took care of Bennis on Monday night. Oh, two rivalry wins for me this weekend. Oh, hey, hey, hey. I see what you did there. I like your energy. But yeah, man, how, how did you feel about Monday night's performance, man? Obviously, the Steelers getting the victory versus the Cleveland Browns. What were your initial takeaways, man? Uh, my initial takeaways was this was the ugly kind of win that I kind of expected it to be. I thought the Steelers were going to win this game, and I said it was going to be ugly, but it's going to come down to defensive playmaking. And, boy, wasn't it about defensive playmaking. I even said, most like, leading into this game, I said the key to this game is the edge rushers. If T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith win more than Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith, the Steelers were going to win this game. That was going to define it. Now, I didn't think that meant that they were going to score two <laughs> touchdowns. I mean – I didn't, you know, never predict stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Put, put, put your stamp oh, on your yeah, word. I yeah, you it. did. I called it. You was uh, at the team like, dinner and everything the night before. It was like, yo, you ready to score, right? Hey, TJ, don't forget that scoop and score in the fourth, man. <laughs> you silly. But in all seriousness, I think it just highlights just how important that position is, is that, and and why the Steelers paid both these guys. They made TJ Watt 
one of the highest paid players in, in the league. They, they gave Alex Highsmith a really good contract. And a lot of people were wondering, like, man, can you pay two edge rushers? The answer is yes, you can. When they play like that and they win you football games, it's a huge part of what this team's identity is. And I got to say, like, they still have a lot to clean up. The, the interior defensive line, I don't think, had a particularly great game. I think Larry Ogunjobi really did his best Cam Hayward impression and kind of held everything else up. Uh, Montrevious Adam did force a fumble and made some plays, but he also didn't have, wasn't great in the run defense. And, and I think that uh, across the board, they still are getting bullied too much there. And they were able to neutralize it as they often do against the Browns, who for some reason Kevin Stefanski loves to just throw the football when <laughs> Nick Chubb is averaging like six yards a carry. But whatever, uh, you know. But but hey, they, you, you you don't you don't apologize for your wins, right? So you go and That's you right. get the win. And then, and then you learn from your win, and it's better to learn from wins than learning from losses. So, uh, huge, huge uh, win for the Steelers. And, and again, like you know, let's say that this was, let's say that these two weeks are the, are the worst weeks the Steelers play all season long, and, and they and they improve throughout the year. Are you going to care how they got this division win when they're uh, they're ten and seven at the end of the year, and they're using that tiebreaker to get into the playoffs? No, you're not. And Chris, I, I like what you say there. I want to stick with that for a second. You know. My hope and my kind of glass half full look is this team started playing their best football, you know, in in late October, early November last season. But by that point, they had kind of dug themselves too big of a hole already. And it was impressive that they were able to get to a winning record and at least be in the playoff conversation. But when you're two and six at one point, right, I mean, you're you're really getting that shovel and digging yourself deep. If the Steelers can be... 500 right or maybe a game above 500 something like that through the first handful of games this season and then all of a sudden you look up in November you know sometime between Halloween and Thanksgiving and you're suddenly playing your best football and you're right in the thick of things and you're not chasing it right like that's the optimism for me is we know this team at least in a small sample size now has a history of of playing their better football in the second half of the season if this group can tread water until then and then start to peak at the right moment, right, that could be the difference between this year and last year. Absolutely. And, I mean, another thing to remember, you know, part of what made the difference was T.J. Watt in this game, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't available in game two of last year. And I think this is what happens. T.J. Watt doesn't play that game. They don't win. You know, and it's a huge difference there. But I, I think, like you said, if they can just keep stay afloat, and I think that they can do better than four, than 500 going into the second half of the season. I think that they can be a few games over 500, and then if they hit their stride, I think what's really encouraging that they could hit their stride is just how many new and young players they still have on this roster. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, second-year player. George Pickett, second-year player. Uh, Najee Harris, Pat Fryman, third-year player. Donnell Washington, rookie. Calvin Austin, second-year player, really his first year. Uh you know, and they still haven't even brought in Broderick Jones yet. There's a lot of potential for growth on the offense and chemistry to manifest there. I think Isaac Sayomalo as well, just gelling with his team, that kind of stuff takes time. And on the defensive side, the same thing as well. Keanu Benton's been getting snaps, and I think he's looked encur- it's encouraging what we've seen out of him so far. It's Marvin Leal in his second year. Uh, you, you know, the, the whole new linebacker core you brought in, Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter Jr. Uh, there's so many factors that can improve. Uh, just by more experience that the Steelers have. And if they, again, if they can stack wins, and I think these are very winnable games against the Raiders and the Texans they got coming up in back to back weeks. And if they're able to handle their business, come out of them, doesn't matter how ugly they win, but if they can handle their business, win those games, they can be three and one, getting ready to play Baltimore and, you know, have a chance to make a statement win and go 2 0 in the AFC North going into the bye. And all of a sudden you're four and one. And you're not, and again, you're a few games over 500. You bought yourself some space to grow. You'll have a bye week to kind of reassess things. And I think that's exactly where this team needs to be. I even say, though, if they're three and two or even two and three going into the bye week, 
I think that they'll be all right. But if they're one and four, if, that, if this is the only win heading into the bye week, then we're kind of looking at where they were this last season. Now you make up some good points right there, man, 100%. Um, I did want to ask you, though, um, in terms of the offense, specifically the running game, what have you been seeing, man? And what are your thoughts on the division of labor as well? First of all, I, I think that this, that the offensive line has taken a step back from last year. It kind of happens when you're, when you, when you take a year off, you got a lot of guys that are still needing to gel together um, and uh, kind of need to pick up where they left off. Uh, but I also think that there's, uh, there's potential for them to get better. Um, a lot of the, I will say also they faced two of maybe the best run defenses they're going to face this season in the first two weeks. The Niners are very tough, led by Fred Warner. The Browns, they're aggressive. They throw everything at you. And I think both those teams, not only are they good against the run, they played the run. They were sent – I mean, you saw how the Browns were loading the box, sometimes eight, nine guys just loading up. They're saying, please throw it. Go ahead. We, we dare you to throw the ball. Um, and uh, I think the Steelers' passing offense hasn't been enough to kind of back those, those type of teams off. So I think it's tough to fully grade the offensive line just on their own merit. But – you have to still agree what they've done, and it hasn't been great in the run game. I do think that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are both legitimate threats. I think you've seen what? Two, you've seen three runs by Najee Harris go over 17 yards in the first two games. You know, they, he used to be accused of not being able to pull off runs of 10 or more yards. And again, these are runs that some of these, he's just creating on his own. That second, that second run that he had, I think it went like what, 21, 21 five, 25 yards, uh, you know, against, against the Browns on Monday night. There was nothing there. Like the like the Browns kicked the butt to the Steelers all the line. He just said, "Forget that, man. I'm turning around. I'm going the other direction." And he just and he hit it. And that's that's something that people said he couldn't do, and he absolutely can. But he just needs ample opportunity. And that's where I'm at with Najee Harris is that I, I think you give him a hole and he, he will hit it and he will he will make plays. And that's what the Steelers have to get going. And I mean, people are going to say, "Well, Jalen Warren doesn't need a hole." Jalen Warren does need a hole. And I think part of it is when he's in the game, he gets more chances like that because people aren't crowding him as much as they are Najee Harris. But go back and look at their yards per carry. Najee Harris has outrushed him every single time. And if you look at expected yards per carry for all the advanced stats people, uh, he's over. Najee Harris is averaging two yards per carry more than he's supposed to uh, when you look at, you know, when he's leading defenders and how plays are being designed so far. So to me, offensive line has to be better, but the passing offense has to help open up the run game. It won't matter if the offensive line figures things out and they start to move guys a little bit. If teams are still selling out to stop the run and Kenny Pickett and the passing offense can't get going, it's going to make it that much harder to get the run game going even when the line does figure it out. Chris Carter with us here on the Steelers Blitz on SNR and 970 ESPN. CC, few people in this town have the, uh, I think, the grasp of the full body of Kenny Pickett's work like you do, obviously from his time at Pitt and then now in the National Football League. So we've got a lot of uh, tweets, questions. They want answers. Today, you know, is it? Is <laughs> Kenny it, Bless. It, they Kenny, want Kenny answers. Bless, that's right, Kenny Bless, that, that we need to get the pastor of the church of Kenny in here. Wow. Right? Uh, we're getting a lot of questions, you know, as I'm sure as you can imagine. Is it mental? Is it mechanical? Is it somewhere in between? So give us kind of your synopsis on everything that we've seen uh, with Kenny Pickett through these first two games. Well, first, first of all, I do want to say, yes, I am the pastor of the church of Kenny Pickett. Wow. Um, but before, before I get into that, I, I, I do got to acknowledge, like, I am also, you know, one of the harsh, harsher critics, I think, of Kenny Pickett when it comes to breaking down his film and saying, like, hey, you know what? You know, he's missed this. He's missed that. There, there are times. I know a lot of people in this town want to blame everything on Matt Canada, and he is not exempt of blame. That, 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 uh, that jet sweep reverse call, you know, after Najee Harris had two big runs and Jalen Warren ripped off the five-yarder, that was a, I, I didn't like that call. 
the third and one call at the end of the fourth quarter when people were chanting fire Canada. I didn't like that call, but there were also, I'd say about like at least 12 other plays that I could point to in this game where he drew up a really nicely designed play and it just wasn't executed, whether it was the offensive line giving up pressure, whether it was Kenny Pickett missing a wide open target, either he threw it to them and missed or didn't see them or just didn't pull the trigger. The, the offense needs to execute what's in front of them. They got to take the basic things. And I think that that's the thing that Kenny Pickett hasn't done consistently yet for the Steelers this season. And like you said, I do have a perspective of seeing him at Pitt. I've seen him grow from a player who can hit the basic things to hitting the basic things and then the things to counter the basic things. What I mean by that is when you start to show that you have an identity, when you start to have success, teams adjust to it. They say, okay, we take away this thing. This is his favorite thing to do. But then when you study film, you know ways. Like, for example, if you know that, hey, uh, I'm really good at hitting, uh, hitting the, the middle of cover two here. So I'm going to try to, to – so, like, we will attack the middle part of the field when the safety split, and that's where we get points. And that's how George Pickens scored his touchdown. Now teams are going to say, hey, let's not give him the middle of the field like that. Let's pack up the middle of the field. Let's, let's, let's force it. Then you can send up route concepts that look like, hey, we're, it looks like we're, send, we're going to send a guy up the seam here. Instead, this guy's going to break on a corner route, and, uh, and we're going to stack that over top of a short hitch route. So now if you have guys that are, that are playing the boundary and the middle part of the field, you have to make a tough choice. Are you going to stick with the, the underneath throw or the, uh, or the away throw? And those are the things that Matt Canada has drawn up for King Pickett. He just hasn't consistently hit it. Now, again, this is the guy who has grown through his time at Pitt. Now I'm going to put on my, uh, my, my pasta coat. Wow. Take us to church now. And Kenneth Pickett takes the stand. Glory. This is the man who came with 13 touchdowns and mm. nine interceptions for back-to-back seasons. Wow. He broke Dan Marino's records. Wes, Wes, I need the organ in the background, man. He broke. You better talk to him now. Hallelujah. You better talk to him now. And if you believe, if you see the truth, Kenny Pickett can be the guy who breaks the Steelers' offense to salvation. All right, I'm going to get off my Praise God. But in all seriousness, I, I think that Kenny Pickett can be the guy if he, can, if, he, if he is who we've seen him be at his best, and that's reading the field, making smart decisions. He hasn't done that consistently yet. But if he does start to, it puts this offense in a better situation. And then they can art start to build off things. But as James Daniels put it, leading into this, uh, we asked him this, you know, last game leading into this one, they need to do something well. And when I say something, I don't mean just one play like George Pickett's touchdown. They need an identity like, hey, if you hit these quick passes or if you run this specific play, that's going to be five to eight yards. And force teams to have to want to stop it. And when they want to stop it, then you can hit them and counter that. But they need to start with it. That's the biggest key to Kenny Pickett moving forward. Let the church say amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I ain't finna go preach behind a preacher. I know that. You ain't supposed to do that now. So I'm going to leave the Kenny talk alone, man. Kenny bless. Kenny bless. But, uh, Kenny bless. you know, on the other side of the ball, <laughs> we did have a young corner that happened to be out there for a couple of uh, impact plays. Yeah. I might have a little bit of a tie towards him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might know his coach just might know him a little bit. A you, little. Know, so you know how that go. But I got to ask, man, how you feeling about what we're seeing with the young corner, Joey Porter Jr.? I think one thing that Joey Porter Jr. seems to do really well is he understood his assignments. And granted, his assignments were limited. He was oftentimes just the outside corner. Pin your man to the sideline and make sure that that is a tough window to throw in. And each time, 
he was out there. He did that. He was targeted twice, had a breakup, and was blanketing his man for, you know, to the point that Deshaun Watson overthrew him into the end zone. We'll say he got a little handsy there, and uh, you could say that maybe there should have been a call made, but I'll also say for anyone who thinks that that was, oh, the, the, the refs robbed us, you go, like, go back and look at how much Denzel Ward and the, the, the Browns cornerbacks were holding George Pickens and the Steelers receivers. I think that the, the refs were giving both teams a little bit of room to be physical. But, again, Joey Porter Jr., the way I've seen him, He's in position, and that's what you want to see out of a rookie. He understands where he's supposed to be, how he's supposed to approach situations. He's reading the right keys. And the Steelers, what I think they're doing, you saw seven snaps in the first game, 14 snaps in the second. You're seeing them saying, okay, we're going to trust you a little bit here. We're going to trust you a little bit there. If you prove that you can do these things, then we'll start to put you out there more. And uh, Levi Wallace, he struggled these first two games. You know, he's, I think he's been the culprit on, uh, the, on the two long runs that they've given up to the Niners and the Browns. I think that, you know, when you go back and look, you can fairly say Deshaun Watson was even kind of looking for him at times when, when how much he was targeting him. I think it was eight times. They gave up five receptions or so. Um, but at the same time, you know, Levi Wallace, he's a veteran. He's, he's a guy that I think that he can clean it up. Um, but I, I do think that we are nearing the time when it's going to be time to see Joey Porter Jr. a little bit more on the outside because uh, he looked good. You want to take that caution, that precaution. This week might not be – with Devontae Adams uh, being the primary receiver out there. Um, but, uh, but certainly, I think that he has earned his strikes to get more opportunities for the Steelers, and that's encouraging from your second-round rookie. Well, you know, Pastor CC, they do say if you're faithful with a little, then we'll give you a little bit more. You'll be faithful with a lot, all right? That's what they say in the Bible. So we're going to see if uh, young JPJ can continue to be faithful with the more that they continue to put on his plate. But either way, you know we appreciate you for stopping by with us. And as always, y'all know where y'all can get his work at, man. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the one and only Chris Carter, a.k.a. CC, a.k.a. third member of The Migos. Mama. Mama. Real hey. quick, Russell Mama tweets us and says, okay, guys, I'm ready to make Chris Carter the offensive coordinator. I will tell Omar to expect <laughs> an interview. There it is. There <laughs> it is. I, I, don't, I don't need these problems because after one game when the Steelers gained just 200 yards, y'all going to be calling from my head and threatening my, my home. I don't need that problem in my life. I'm fine critiquing it. Let, let Matt handle that stuff. There you have it. There you have it. Chris, once again, man, we definitely appreciate West you. West Virginia. Mount oh, Mama. He's not even talking about your state. That was all about the other state. It's about actual West Virginia, West Period, Virginia, not See, your Mozi, you Get know, you know your song slaps when everybody, I know, it's about Western Virginia, it's about Maryland, it's about Massachusetts, <laughs> I know. Yeah, y'all just y'all just stick to your little Boston Red Sox, Penn State, <laughs> basic every fan base. Take me home. 17 Country to roads. 6. There it is, there it is, there it is. <laughs> CC, thanks as always, buddy. We, we love catching up yeah. with you. Thanks for taking the time. Let's go, let's always, go. Always happy. Thanks again, guys. No doubt. And just tell Chris Carter, we coming for that seventh straight in basketball in a couple weeks mm, now. Too. You heard what he said. You heard what he said. But we are about to come back and take our final break because we do got our final segment of today's show. So you know what time that is. We're going to be opening up them them comments and concerns time frame, man. So, you know, the floor and time will be yours, but don't touch that. That was Arthur Mose. This is Wesley Uli, and this is Steelers Nation Radio on ESPN 970 AM.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You heard it right there. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Steelers Nation Radio, simulcasting on ESPN 970. And yes, man, this is the final segment of today's show. We have a ton of tweets that have come in throughout. And like we say, man, we keep our show very interactive. So you've heard and continue to hear from us here, our perspective. We had open up the phone line to our good friend of the show, Chris Carter, a.k.a. CC of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And uh, yeah, now for the final segment, man, we will transition back to some of your tweets and ultimately, man, end the show with those. So in the words of Big Red. Time's yours. Rod Dalla wants to know what was up with Gunner in that kick return. So you think he was confused? Do you think he thought it was no, a punt for a second? No, I know exactly what he was trying to do. So if the ball is kicked off and it lands inbounds, it's a live ball. NFL kickers are highly skilled where they can put that ball about a yard or two from the sideline and it will sit there and it will just sit there. And you usually send the one, two, or three on your kickoff coverage team, the three gentlemen that are usually located on the numbers and outside of them, and you'll have them race down there to see if that return man is going to assume that ball is going out of bounds or if he's going to field it. The kicker did a good job, but he actually messed up because the ball was probably going to land out of bounds. For Gunner, he was trying to ultimately catch the ball with one foot in, one foot out simultaneously because if you do that, you automatically get the ball at the 40. That's what the intent was. The execution just was off. Mm -hmm. The execution was he ended up toe-tapping and having a brain fart right at the last second and caught it with two feet in bounds, and that was ultimately why it transpired the way that it did. But if you've never played special teams or really paid attention to it, you wouldn't understand that rule. And you would just simply look and say, why is Gunner running over there to catch this football when it's a kickoff like that? But that was why he did what he did. The Makes intent. Sense. Like we talk about, man, shoot, intent. is plenty of people in prison right now with good intent and bad execution, you know? So he had good intent, but at the end of the day, the execution was not what it was supposed to be. And, yeah, it cost him. And then to turn around a couple plays later, you know, obviously it was more so from the hit, but you put the ball on the ground, it was a turnover. Obviously he got hurt after that. We hope he, you know, has a speedy recovery, but it was just, man, you have two really bad plays back to back. And at a time in the game where we didn't feel like we could really afford to have those type of self-inflicted issues, sure. you know, it kind of adds to Gunner. But ultimately that's what he was trying to do. Sure. Uh, let's see here. DJ the Sparky wants to know what you think's going on with Levi Wallace. He looks a little confused out there. Um, I don't think he's confused. It's just Levi's a number two corner. He has long straight line speed. He does not have good short area quickness. And in terms of his change of direction, if he's not going full speed, he's not going to be able to start and stop fast. So when you talk about, you know, the past two games of him missing tackles specifically, what did his feet do prior to the head, uh, prior to the contact? It stopped and he had to restart. Versus McCaffrey, it put him in a position where he was out of position and the spin move happened, he missed the tackle. This week, Jerome Baker is able to step around him and you see how long it takes him to get repositioned to even start a foot chase. And we saw, you know, his limitations there. When you're talking about him in just basic coverage, he's designed for, you know, I feel like press where he can use his length or it needs to be cover three, cover four, where you're not asking him to try to break down and come back down on some of these, you know, routes where receivers like Amari Cooper, receivers like Elijah Moore sure. that, you know, have really good footwork. I mean, you saw Brandon Ayuk last week, how he's able to get in out of his breaks. 
that is where Levi struggles. Very similar to when we talk George Pickens versus Deontay Johnson, and we say separation. You look at when George Pickens attempts to create separation versus man-to-man, you look at when Deontay Johnson creates separation versus man-to-man, and it's night and day because one is just designed for the short area quickness and has that gift, whereas the other guy doesn't to this extent just yet. When I look at Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, one is designed for some of that short area quickness where the other guy is designed for some of the down-the-grass long stuff. Sure. And I just think that that's ultimately what's been going on with him, but he still has to play better. And the problem is you can't have these limitations continue to show up. We all have limitations, but the name of the game at the NFL level is to minimize those limitations, to hide them as best you can. But every single player has a flaw. Every single player has a limitation. Levi right now has to figure out how to get that off his tape. Sure. But it's going to be the next four games where teams are going to be trying to get their running back one-on-one versus Levi on the perimeter because he's shown on back-to-back weeks that is not a guaranteed tackle. Whoo! Uh, Church of Arthur Motes. Don't get me in Laying trouble. It down too. Don't get me in trouble. I'm just chilling. Uh, shout out to Francis and our buddy uh, Steeler Nation 920 for the uh, kind tweets. Francis says, "Told you WV would win. Sorry, CC. Just had a bad feeling." Uh, 920. Our buddy Tyler tweets, uh, "Go ears. Congrats on the big W." I tell you what. Uh, all right, Motsi, we got like a minute left here. Mm. Okay. Photoshop, Photoshop extraordinaire Dehev wants to know, are we in for a lock luster offensive season or the boys start clicking Sunday night in Vegas? Um, I think we'll see them improving. I don't know. That's and, the real thing, right? Yeah. We just just improve. Every week, just get a little bit better. Because it really just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. If you think that improvement is they're supposed to score 30 points, then I'm going to tell you absolutely no. But if you're saying improvement being that I feel like they're able to functionally operate as an offense, stay on schedule, win the field position battle, minimize turnovers, 100%. I do feel like they're capable of that. But it's all about your expectations. Completely agree. And Motsi, speaking of expectations, I expect you to get us up on out of here. So with that being the case, man, let me give a big time shout out to my partner in crime. Actually, no, not the partner in crime just yet. I'm going to holler about my producer because the producer was chefing it up in the kitchen. I'm talking about Chef Wesley Euler. That's backyard brawl champion Wesley Euler to all the yins. some respect on him. Power Grid, Mega Watch, participation undefeated yes, as always. You salute yourselves, salute yourselves. And then last but certainly not least, I got to shout out my partner, them, the one and only Mr. Wesley Euler. That's Backyard Brawl champion Wesley Euler to all yens. Put some respect on his name. And you already know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and the go. Stillers mm-hmm. Nation mm-hmm. Radio. And there it is. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.